I, I'm following up on a couple of previous chats that I've had with you. Um, as you would know from them, I have a, a, a real heart for worship and for corporate worship and for what goes on, such as the time we've just had this morning, which has been a real blessing, I hope, to you because it's been a real blessing to me. And really, this morning, I'm not going to recap on everything that I've spoken about before because we spoke about what praise was, what worship was, and why we praise and why we worship and, and what that looks like. But really the challenge this morning, I'm, I'm here to, to exhort and to challenge and, and, and maybe just to make you feel a little bit like I need to be doing something because I want to challenge us to go deeper. I want to challenge us to go deeper. And to maybe put that in context, I just want to use an example that I use sometimes about progressing in things from my own life. I, I spent the first 30-something of years of my life living near the coast. I, I love the sea. I grew up near the sea and, and I particularly love the beach. Um, but I haven't always experienced the beach and the sea in the same way. Some of my earliest memories, you know, you, you sometimes your early memories are not just things happening, it's sensations and the feel of things. And some of my earliest memories are the, are, are the feeling of, of hot sun on my shoulder and about two pounds of sand in my bathing costume <laughs> as a toddler splashing around in about four inches of water. Because that's what toddlers do at the beach. Your parents take you down, they give you a bucket and spade, and they send you down to the water's edge, and you go and mess around in the mud. You roll in the mud, you dig in the mud, you come home in the evening with mud and sand everywhere, you lose weight when you take your bathing costume off, you got it in your teeth, and you have had the best day ever. Nothing better than that. It was just amazing. But when I got a little bit older, I started treating the sea a little bit differently. I wouldn't flop around in two inches or three inches of, of, of muddy water. I would go out towards the waves. And in the beginning, as the wave comes, you turn and you run like mad and you shout and you carry on. But you, you, you go in and you begin to experience the strength of the waves and, 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 and the movement of the sea and you begin to swim a little bit. By the time I was 25, I was no longer drawing any enjoyment from sand in my bathing costume and a bucket and spade. They had been great at the time, but I had learned that the sea held more. By then, I was riding a wave ski. I was diving for abalone and, lo and lobsters and, 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 and going out on boats and things and experiencing something. I, I submerged myself. I enjoyed the power of the waves. There's nothing like sitting at the back and waiting for a set to come through and seeing something pick up and know that you're going to be flying down the face of that in just a little while. There's a sense of terror and anticipation and sometimes pain. Um, and it's, it's like very few other things. It's beautiful when you, when you submerge yourself and you go down and you're in amongst the kelp and the corals and, 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 and you see the sea life down there. And for me, I don't want to go back to the mud. At the time, it was great. At the time, being there was better than people who weren't there. I used to feel sorry in South Africa, the people who live in the interior of the country in a place that used to be called the Transvaal. It's called Gauteng now. We used to call them Valleys. And we felt terribly sorry for them because they didn't live at the coast. That joy of being able to go when I was a little one, I had more than they had but it wasn't what I was going to have in the end. And I want to say to you that there is, a, there is a, a need for us to press in deeper into the presence of God. 
There is a, we, we should not feel, man, we had a good time this morning. That's as good as it gets. Let me give you an example of why I don't think we should stop there. And I'm going to be jumping through quite a few scriptures. They'll be on the podcast. I'm sure you'll be able to find them. But I'm going to 2 Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 12. It says, All the Levites who were musicians, Asaph, Heman, Jeduthun, and their sons and relatives stood in the east side of the altar dressed in fine linen and playing cymbals, harps, and lyres. That was the band. They were accompanied by 120 priests sounding trumpets. So it was a big band. The trumpeters and singers joined in unison with one voice to give praise and thanks to the Lord. Accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, they raised their voices to praise the Lord and sang, He is good and His love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. Guys, it's not time to put the brakes on until we're there. It's not time to put the brakes on until we're there. There is a place to go deeper. And we may not be comfortable in that place yet. And you might not feel a need for that place in your life yet. Just like I would not have been comfortable submerging myself and diving down to the bottom of the sea when I was a toddler. And I saw no need for it. I did not miss something that I had not experienced and did not have. And so I would say to this to you at the beginning of what I'm going to chat to you about today is don't let your experience of God's presence and worship be limited by what you've already experienced. Be encouraged by what you've already experienced, but don't feel I will stop here. This has been enough. Go deeper. Let's go deeper. Let's see what the presence of God changes in our lives. As, as we look at some of the reasons as to why we need to seek the presence of God, I believe fervently as a congregation. Some of what I'll share with you will be straight from Scripture. But also, Jesus, when He taught, taught from the fact that we are created in the image of God. God placed things inside us that were of Himself. Emotions, feelings, perceptions. You know God feels emotion? When God looks down to the earth... Just before the flood comes, it says his heart was filled with pain. Did you know that God felt pain? And that God feels joy and that God feels elation. And God has placed those things in us. And sometimes Jesus would refer to the ordinary way in which we respond to one another. And he would say, which of you as a father would not do this? Therefore, how much more would your father in heaven do? And as we talk about how we work together in the presence of God, some of the stuff is going to be straight from Scripture. And some of it is just common sense maybe. How would we treat someone else in a position of authority? And so, why should we really earnestly seek as a congregation? Because today I'm talking about our corporate worship, not about our individual lifestyles of worship. But why should we seek to press into God more? Why should we get used to times like we had this morning? Why should we get used to times that are even more profound than we had this morning? If you felt uncomfortable, ask God to help you not to feel uncomfortable. If you felt it was a little bit undignified, let's get more undignified. Amen. King David dancing in front of the ark and his wife saying, oh, 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 and he's saying, I'll become even more undignified than this. Not for the sake of being undignified, but just for being open to what God wants to do. Why do we do that? One of the reasons we do it is because it brings us into a place of unity. It draws us closer. There's a unity of purpose and of experience when we join together 
to worship and to praise. It's a bit like a sense of camaraderie we see when people sing in the stands at a football or rugby match. We seek the face of God together, and as we draw closer to God, we draw closer to one another. Let's have a look at Psalm 133. And verse 1, it says this, How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It's as the dew of Hermon were falling on the Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life evermore. Guys, when we, are, when we have a unity of purpose, we have a unity between us that is like nothing else. When your eyes are turned on seeking and praising God, as we draw closer to Him, we draw closer to one another, and in that place of unity, God bestows His blessing. In that place of unity, the things Ant's been talking about, the, about the character of a congregation and the character of a family of God, begin to manifest in a positive way. In that place of unity, as we gaze on the face of God and seek Him out, there's no time for gossip. There's no place for criticism. It's not appropriate to judge because we're fixing our eyes on Him and we're brought into that place where together we sing. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. And as we're doing that, in that place of unity, God says, now I will pour out my blessing in this place. Now I'll begin to release. This morning people were prayed for. I believe we will see healing, we will see deliverance, we will see release of people in worship as we draw together in unity. God begins to pour out His blessings in that place. It's not just about feeling good, although that's part of it, guys. It's not just about feeling good. It's about the power of God being released in a place of unity and worship towards Him as He manifests, as He makes His presence known. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And we'll go to Acts chapter 2 a couple of times. But if we go to Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. The first outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the new church, the first infilling of people by the Holy Spirit, was when they were all together in one place. It's interesting. God could have, if He chose, visited each one of the believers in their bedrooms as He visited Mary and Joseph and told them about Jesus. He could have sent angels to them. But He chose to pour out the Holy Spirit and to empower the church when they were all together in one place, in a place of unity. There He bestowed His blessing. There He poured out the Holy Spirit on their lives. When we join in our attention to Him is when we're more inclined to move and speak, or He's more inclined to move and speak and take us forward. The next reason why we, we need to go deeper, why it's not just a luxury, the next reason why we need to go deeper is because we get equipped and empowered. Let's continue reading in the second chapter of Acts. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And as you would know if you've read this chapter, they go out into the street praising God in languages that they don't understand. Doing something that they've never been able to do before, empowered by the Holy Spirit to do something that they couldn't do. And also changed in their personalities and their characters. Peter, the person who had denied Jesus three times for fear of the people of Jerusalem, gets up and preaches a blinder of a sermon. Suddenly, he can preach. He quotes scripture like a veteran preacher, like a theologian. He has confidence. He makes no apologies. He doesn't skirt around the feelings of the crowd. He goes for the throat. 
And he says you need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And he is confident and he's empowered, not just because he has studied, but because something that was in there that has been placed in there by years of going with Jesus and hearing the word preach has become alive and dropped into his heart and he puts it into action. Week after week, Ant gets up here and he teaches us. How much of that do you do? How much of that do I do? Or do we just come in and we hear and we say, Amen, yes, brother, that is good. And then we go home and we put it in our file of sermons we have heard. You know, Jesus experienced the same thing. Ant's in good company. How many times did Jesus tell his disciples he would die and rise again on the third day? And then when it happened, they went, Whoa! But he told them. How many times did he tell them, you will do this, you will do that, you can do this and you can do that. And yet when he goes back to heaven, they're afraid and they, and they, and they, they are nervous. And then in the presence of God, in unity, in a place where the Holy Spirit manifests himself, suddenly all that they've taught and all that they've heard drops those critical 18 inches from your head to your heart and becomes part of their lives. And they begin to put it into action. They go out, they've been equipped and they've been empowered. Something has been released inside them in the presence of God. Guys, as we push deeper here at Forest Town in our times of worship together, I pray that your ministries get released in your place of work. I pray that you go out of here and stuff that you've heard people teach and stuff that you've said, yes, amen, that's great, somebody should do that. That you go and say, the power of God is upon me, the Spirit of God is upon me, for I'm anointed. Jesus said, to preach the gospel, to free the captives, to heal the brokenhearted. And that you won't see it as something that other people do and get talked about in church, but something that God has placed inside you and that word becomes alive and sharper than a two-edged sword. And the word says that out of our bellies will flow rivers of living water. Where does that come from? From the presence of God. When the teaching comes alive. And one of the ways that you see it being released in the Bible, that equipping, that releasing, is in the presence of God. Look at John 14, 26. <clears throat> Jesus said, All this I have spoken while still with you. <coughs> Excuse me. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of what I've said to you. It's the Holy Spirit inside us that releases those things. All the things that we've been taught, all the things that we have read, God's Word is alive and sharper than a two-edged sword. It's not just dead words. And it's the Holy Spirit that makes it come alive. And one of the places where <clears throat> we are able to strengthen in unity one another in the presence of the Holy Spirit and invite God to move and to bless us is in a place of unity and a place of pressing deeper into worship. Into stepping out of where we're in control into a place where he's in control. <clears throat> Another reason why we need to press deeper in our worship as a congregation is because it encourages us. Let's have a look at Acts chapter 4 and verse 23. <clears throat> On their release... I beg your pardon. Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer. 
They begin to worship in prayer. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit to the mouth of your servant, your father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided before should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of our, your holy servant Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. Peter and John have just been arrested and placed in life-threatening danger in front of the Sanhedrin. And they come out with a threat to say, don't you ever preach in this name again. And they come and they lead the congregation into worship and into praise of God and into supplication. And they come out filled with the Holy Spirit. They say, let us see signs and wonders. Show them, Lord. And the church grows rapidly. There's encouragement. You come in here some mornings and the whole world has been kicking you around for the whole week. And we stand together and we worship God. And we begin to sense the presence of God as He manifests His presence in our worship. As that veil that we've left there because of all the stuff that's kept us busy in the week, it's taken away and we gaze on His face. And that encouragement comes. It happened this morning. Helen got up. There was something for me there. There might have been something for you as well. There was something that said to me, God has not forgotten. God has not seen what I'm against. God has not seen what I struggle with. He has seen it. He's encouraged me and He's saying to me, I'm with you. And I go into the week with that encouragement. It's a place. Going deeper is a place of encouragement. We need to go deeper because it brings joy. Have a look at 1 Chronicles 29, 21 if you want to go there. I get there fast because I've got it preloaded. So, sorry about that. The next day they made their sacrifices to the Lord and presented burnt offerings to him, a thousand bulls, a thousand rams, and a thousand male lambs, together with their drink offerings and other sacrifices. And God often, Old Testament sacrifice, nowadays we give a sacrifice of praise. The Bible doesn't talk about us bringing bulls and goats and lambs anymore. Now we bring that sacrifice of praise, and a sacrifice of praise is when we come when we don't feel like it. And we bring something that costs us. I don't feel like standing here, Lord, with all these people around me, sticking my hands up in there and singing. Just leave me alone. I want to go and sit at the back and have a coffee. But you bring that sacrifice of praise. It's like bringing, it's more than bringing the bulls and goats. And it says they did that. It says they ate and drank with great joy in the presence of the Lord that day. In the presence of the Lord, there is great joy. And you know what, guys? You're allowed to enjoy it. You're allowed to enjoy it, not just to read about it. Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 32, If I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. People need to see the joy of the Lord in us. They need to see that He makes a difference. And yet the world that we live in is not an easy one to live in as a Christian. There's a temptation to slink around saying, this is so hard, and I'm so put upon. And look at me. I'm a Christian suffering for Jesus. 
And we think that that's the best way we can portray him. And sometimes Christians do suffer for Jesus, and let us not take that lightly. It's happening all over the world right now. But you know what? Sometimes people need to see us rejoicing in Jesus. They need to see the joy of the Lord that is our strength. And they need to see us coming out of this place shining and inspired and ready to go. Because then we're lifting him up. Don't fall for the philosophy that says we should become so politically correct and so dignified and so polite that we will cause no offense to anybody who walks in off the street. They need to see something different, otherwise they can go to the movies. They need to see the reality of us loving our Father. We need to be different. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. I challenge you this morning to become a peculiar person. Some of us are way ahead. (laughs) We can't help ourselves. We're just strange. But I challenge you, become a peculiar person. Somebody who is not ashamed to show forth the joy of the Lord. Who's not ashamed to dance before the altar of God like David did. Not for the sake of making a fuss. Not for the sake of creating, but just because you cannot contain the joy of the Lord that comes from standing in His presence. That's why we need to go deeper. That's why we're challenged to go deeper. Very briefly, because if there's time, I'd, I'd love us to have communion together. How do we go deeper? Not time to give a step-by-step formula, because there isn't one. And there isn't time either. But just some points to think about. First of all, when we come together, come with intent. Come hungry. Come with intent and come hungry. Matthew 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Can I challenge you? When we come to church, we get to have fellowship with our friends. When we come to church, we get to hear the Word of God, and that builds us up. When we come to church, we get to have burrowals rolls at the end of the service. When we come to church, people wash our cars. That's all lovely. We meet our friends. But come to church to seek the kingdom of God, to seek the face of God and His righteousness. And then those things will be added. Come with an intent to say, God, I want to come and worship you. I want to praise you. I want to come and stand in your presence with my brothers and sisters and lift up our love to you and bring you joy as a morning sacrifice. Come ready. Come hungry. Come ready. I'm probably going to stand on some toes this morning. I'm sorry. It's not my intent. And I'm not picking on anybody because I'm standing at the front looking that way. But guys, don't, don't come in here like you're doing God a favor. Don't drag in reluctantly. Don't come in saying, okay, God, what are you going to do this morning? Oh, he's in the band this morning. It's not going to be that good. Don't come in saying, I'm coming in now because I've done everything else I've wanted to do out there. Be eager for the presence of God. Be eager. Come with intent. Come and be hungry. Seek first the kingdom of God. Come with reverence. And come with respect. Matthew 2 verse 11. I want to show you how people come into the presence of God. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and myrrh. Who am I talking about? 
bunch of guys called the Magi, wise men, men of profound influence, kings in their own countries, who had traveled for ages and ages and ages to come and worship at the feet of a baby. And when they came into his presence dignified and having come all this way, they didn't come and say, do you know who we are? And do you know how inconvenient it was for us to take this time to come and see you? And do you know I'm not feeling good this morning because I got ticked off by a driver at the roundabout? But I'm coming to worship you anyway. These kings came and placed their gifts. They came to bring. They came and placed their gifts at the feet of the baby Jesus. Come with respect. Not because we live in danger of fire from heaven consuming us like it did with Hophni and Phinehas, the sons of Eli. No, of Aaron. Not because of that. Simply because he is worth it. Give him the attention and the respect that he is due because he is worth it. I want to say to you, we can be relaxed in the presence of God as his children. But don't be so casual as to be disrespectful. And I'm sorry if I'm tramping on your toes. But sometimes you wonder if for whatever reason Her Majesty the Queen decided to grace us with her presence on a Sunday morning, would we all behave the same way as we do when we come before King Jesus? Would we come in as we felt like it, when we feel like it? I'm here. Or would we say, I need to show some respect? And forgive me, I don't want to jump on toes, but we need to be careful at looking at the fact that our relationship with God has changed because of Jesus Christ's blood putting us in righteousness and the fact that God is a holy God. Listen to what God says about himself in the book of Jeremiah. This isn't a verse that people read a lot. Don't know why. Jeremiah 5.22 Should you not fear me, declares the Lord, should you not tremble in my presence, I made a boundary for the sea, an everlasting barrier it cannot cross. The waves may roll, but they cannot prevail. They can roll, but they cannot cross it. These people have stubborn and rebellious hearts. They've turned aside and gone away. They do not say to themselves, let us fear our God who gives autumn and spring rains in the seasons. Guys, I would say this to you. We have changed. He has not changed. He is still the awesome, fearful God that spoke the universe into existence, and we should treat His presence with that respect, with joy, coming in as His children. But He's somebody special. I went to a concert on Saturday. Sorry, not Saturday, Wednesday. And it was one of those concerts, James Taylor, any of you guys know him? Anyone of my age group? One of my musical heroes. You young people, he's old like us, but he's, he's huge. For he's, he's been singing for years, and he's got a massive fan base. And I went to see him at the Royal Albert Hall, and it was packed. And you know, at one point, he came on and he started with one of his classics. And I looked around as the lights ran over the hall, and people were in rapt attention, paying attention to James Taylor. They paid money to come and see him. And just after the interval, I was sitting in one of the boxes. Okay, this is how... We planned this almost a year ago, sitting in one of the logger boxes, like, like the royalty. And next to us in a box, a lady started a conversation with another person in the box, and about 20 heads went, Whoosh. and the eyes said, we're here to listen to James Taylor. 
when we come at the presence of God and when we begin to worship God, have respect for Him and for the people around you who want to worship Him. Come with intent. Come hungry. Come with respect that says, what a privilege. What a privilege to be able to stand in the presence of Almighty God. I'm going to give Him the respect and the attention that He is due. I'm not going to just peel off at this stage and say, I don't feel like this anymore. I'm going to go and see if there's any more coffee in the pot and walk over three people's toes as I go and bring them out of their place of reverence. I'm going to walk into really dangerous territory. Pray for me afterwards once you've punched me. <laughs> Parents, if you don't teach your children to worship, it's not going to happen by some form of immaculate perception. If you leave them in the garage, they won't become motor cars. And if you just have them in this room, they won't become worshippers. You need to teach them. You need to tell them what worship is. And you need to demonstrate it to them. Not to be legalistic, but what do they see worship as? If the moment it starts, you just let them disappear and do what they like. Forgive me, I'm, I'm not wanting to point at anybody. But think about it. Would you do that? in the presence of somebody really, really important in our world. Teach them to worship. Lead them into worship as their parents demonstrate it to them. Let them understand. They can learn a lot more than you realize. Why? Because they were built to worship. There's something inside them that will respond. But let's, let's expect God to take us deeper when we come with hunger and when we come with intent, and when we come with respect. And then I want to say, how do we respond to His presence? And very quickly, just have a look at 1 Samuel chapter 3. It says, verse 8, The Lord called Samuel a third time, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized the Lord was calling the boy, so Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood there calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Samuel's in the temple, the tabernacle as it was at that stage. And he hears a voice calling and he's not familiar. He, he hasn't heard God speaking to him before, so he thinks it must be Eli. He's the only other guy in the place. And he goes and he says, I'm here. And Eli says, Not me. And it happens three times. And the third time, Eli says to him, next time it happens, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. What's he saying to him? Samuel has been used to, in the temple, doing stuff. He had certain jobs Eli would send him to do. He would light incense. He would carry things around. He would clean things and so forth. And when he's spoken to in the temple, his first instinct is, what am I supposed to do? And he starts wanting to do stuff. And Samuel says to him, sorry, Eli says to him, when the voice of God speaks to you, when God begins to manifest His presence, the first thing to do is listen. What is God wanting to do? What is the Spirit of God wanting to do? You know, sometimes the moment we sense the presence of God and we begin to, to get in that joyful experience of His presence, we start saying, what can I do? How can I... Something spectacular needs to happen now. What, what can I do? Shall I, shall I? And sometimes there's a place of just saying, God, I love you. I'm enjoying your presence. I just want to stand here and tell you that I love you and I love you and I love you 
And what do you want me to do? How can I serve you? And sometimes the most powerful and profound ministry to the body of Christ, whether it's in healings or prophecy or deliverance, whatever it might be, comes from a time when people have just stood before God in His presence and said, Lord, speak. What do you want? Instead of saying, the Lord is here. He must do that and that and that and that and that. Rather saying, Lord, what is it that you want? Finally, just a couple of things. Practice His presence. If we want to push deeper here as a congregation and we want to see more of, the, of, of God blessing us in the unity of our worship and our praise, then make it a familiar place to be. Worship Him in your quiet time at home. Worship Him in your car. Speak to Him, relate to Him in your business place. As you sit at your desk, as you get up, as you go out, as you lie down, the Bible says, write it on your hands, put it on your forehead, make it part of your life, teach your children when they're young, Proverbs 22.6, and when they're old, they will not turn from it. Make it part of your life. Because then when you come here, you're coming to a place of familiarity with God in a good way. In a good way. And the end is, we will lift Him up. And when we lift Him up, then all of the strategies and the plannings and the things that people have done in various churches all around the world and things we learn from people and experience people who teach us various things, all those things become subject to the plan that God has in your life and the plan that God has for this place. And God releases and God empowers and God sends people out. Guys, we, we need to, when we leave here, at the end of, it needs to be like, a, like an army going out. When, when the doors open at the end there and you walk out clutching a burrowboss roll, the devil needs to run screaming. Seriously. He and his demons in this area need to be going, no, they're done with church, they're coming out. Why? Because they've been in the presence of God. And they've been equipped, they've been encouraged. They have the joy of the Lord. They're coming with... with the blessings of God bestowed on them, released in the power of God, and they're coming out there to wreak havoc in what Satan is doing. That's why we need to go deeper. And maybe you could just lead us in, in one song as we, as we take communion together, because let's just fellowship with one another around the broken body of Christ. Let's thank Him for what He's done. Let's thank Him for the fact that we are able to come into His presence with unveiled faces because of the blood of Jesus that was broken, it was shed for us in His body that was broken. That symbolizes what was done to bring us into the place where we can be intimate with God. And then, could I say to you, as you leave and as you go home, say to yourself, I am going deeper. We met as worship leaders on, on Thursday evening and we challenged each other, let's get out of our comfort zones. Let's get out of the places that we're familiar with. Let what we've experienced in the past be an encouragement but not a template. Let's be free to step out. And let's expect God to do some stuff here. Let's let Him speak into our lives and empower us. Let's pray and then as Ant begins to, to lead us, if you'd like to go to the tables. The way we do things at Forest Town is you're free to come up and share in communion if you are someone who loves Jesus Christ and has given your life to Him. Um, we often stand as families or as groups of friends, serve one another, and then we'll come back together just to, to end with a prayer. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your Word being alive and sharper than a two-edged sword. 
able to cut inside us and release us, Lord. And I pray that your word takes root in our lives this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your body that was broken for us and your blood that was shed. And thank you that we can share in the breaking of bread right now in intimacy with you and with one another. Amen.